Last week, we donned masks and found ourselves on the wrong side of the law. But not because we finally started filming that Batman fanfiction movie we've been writing, but because Michael and Evan finally watched the town. Welcome back to How Did You Miss This? The podcast where we watch old movies some of us missed the first time around and talk about if they should have stayed missed. I'm Evan Toller-Hickey, and with me as always are Michael Hansen and Krista Shane. This week, we watched the 2010 heist movie, The Town. Uh, I missed this movie because I had absolutely no interest in watching a Ben Affleck heist movie in 2010. Uh, Michael, why did you miss this movie? I, I honestly don't think I even knew about it when it came out. Like, it, it, I have no recollection of it uh, coming out. I've seen a few pictures of it since pop up on Netflix, but otherwise, I had no impression of this whatsoever. Now, Chris, you picked this movie for us to watch, and you pushed really, really, really hard for really us hard. to watch this. Really, really hard. Really yeah. hard. Yeah. So, uh, why? Yeah, I saw this movie shortly after it came out, and I remember kind of being blown away by it. Um, you know, for me, this is up there with Heat. You know, we're, we're going to talk about it, and I don't know that it reaches the same pinnacle as Heat. Of course, you're talking about Heat with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, exactly. It's it's almost on par with most Melissa McCarthy movies. Um so for me, this was like one of those scenes or movies where those action scenes just are like blow away good, like so good. So I was I was shocked when I saw that both of you hadn't seen this movie uh, and I just had to push it up to the top of our list so that we'd uh, take a look and fig- figure out whether it was actually good or whether I just have a certain thing for Ben Affleck with his his towny accent. I mean, he he does. Uh, spoiler alert: He does some crazy chin-ups, showing us uh, his pre-Batman physique, which is, I think, better than his Batman physique. This is this is pre-sad dad Ben Affleck, definitely. Now, aside from the images that I had in my head of people dressed in scary nun suits holding guns. I can't remember anything else around this movie. This was a real sleeper for me. I, I, I don't. I think once it was out of theaters, I, I don't think that it even occurred to me to ever go look it up. And I like a heist movie, but this was this was not on my radar at all. Well, the funny thing about this one is I actually think it's not a heist movie at all. Like it it struck me that this is more a movie about relationships and friendships and family, uh, trying to break out of uh, things and kind of like the, the patterns you're in. And it just happens to be around a heist. So for me as well, like that, that was another thing that I had no, I didn't expect that at all. I thought we were going to watch a long heist similar to Inside Man or something like that. But, uh, but the yeah. heist was like the smaller part of it anyway. Yeah, I, it's, you know, if if uh, we'd call like heat a crime drama or something like like it's in that same kind of vein where you have the mix of like cops and robbers and you're kind of cheering for the bad guys and, you know, whatever, whatever we want to call that. But yeah, absolutely. Um, I think maybe we want to give a little bit of background on the movie, because to your point, Evan, this was a little bit of a, a sleeper. Uh, so when it came out in 2010, uh, it, it had... Um, 
you know, a pretty good showing at the box office. So this movie cost $37 million to make, made a worldwide box office of $154 million. So like, great return, good payoff. But like, to your point, it's not like a, a billion dollar movie or hundreds of millions of dollar movie. Uh, it got great reviews. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four. Uh, Richard Roper gave it an A plus, you know, when you go back and look at the reviews it, right now, it's got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes with a lot of those, um, you know, reviewers giving it great reviews. But yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people who missed on it, slept on it somehow. Yeah, you know, I mean, this came out the same day in in 2010 as Easy A with uh, 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 Emma Stone. You've got M Night Shyamalan's Devil, um, Catfish came out that that weekend, and uh, of course, uh, you know, the thing that crushed at the box office uh, that weekend, Werner Herzog's uh, Cave of Forgotten Dreams. I was at the movies that weekend. I saw Easy A the opening weekend on a date. So again, I was, I was there and the town left zero impression on me, uh, in terms of like, Oh, I should, I should go next week or we should really check this out. I'm not entirely sure why, because there are some extraordinary performances in this film. And and Jeremy Renner was actually nominated for best supporting Oscar. You know, this is, Affleck's second feature that he directed. Uh, so this is, you know, to, to sort of place it in the oeuvre, uh, you know, after Gone Baby Gone and before Argo, he co-wrote the screenplay. One of the things that I found out in researching this film was that he actually wasn't slated to direct it, that he was actually brought on uh, to direct, asked to direct it uh, by Warner Brothers after the original director left. So this was a bit of a like a bit of a surprise all around. He had already uh, done the the co-written the screenplay, which is based on uh, uh, a, a book, Chuck Hogan's novel, Prince of Thieves. So sort of based loosely based on a true story, quote unquote. Um, but this it, it was a bit of a shock that uh, that he ended up directing this uh, along with acting and and co-writing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it definitely carries through that, you know, you can see the trajectory of the movies he's making. And I think I think maybe the gap here between Gone Baby Gone to this is just like this doesn't have the, you know, surprise twist or whatever that you have in some of those other movies, that which maybe generate a little more buzz or whatever. But, you know, Gone Baby Gone wasn't the hugest movie. Argo was more successful. But, you know, again, that wasn't another blockbuster kind of movie, but I think it's kind of on that stair step up for him. Right. Mm-hmm. And actually the, the wild thing about this to me is that the original cut that uh, Affleck did on this was four hours long. Uh, and you know what? I think I'd watch that. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, not like, you know, not Snyder cut sort of thing, but like, yeah, I, I, I'd watch four hours of the town. Well, there's there's two alternate cuts to this uh, because the the original runs in at just over two hours. There's two alternate cuts to this, uh, one with a different ending and one with just a bunch of extra stuff that get up towards three hours. But uh, before we talk about all the goodness and direction and whatever, let me check in because let me ask each of you now that you've actually watched this movie, Michael, what did you think? 
should people go back and watch this? Is there somebody who, who you'd have in mind for who this might be good for or who shouldn't watch this? So I, I think definitely it's worth watching. If it's one of those where you're looking for something on a Friday night, I would say do it. I'm probably going to be the standout person to say I wouldn't put it at the top of my list. Um, it's not going to leave that type of impression, but we really enjoyed it. We watched it as a family, um, uh, my wife and I and our 16-year-old, and we, we all enjoyed it. So from that perspective, totally worth watching. And I hadn't thought about it until what you said now, that actually as a, as a long-form uh, story, uh, I'm just now starting to think about just what it could have been. That would be a very interesting one to watch, like a miniseries. Evan, how about you? What do you What do you think now that you've seen it? Uh, I mean, I I watched this uh, in my seat on a plane off of my phone. I did not watch it with my wife or eight year old son. I thought that was going to uh, turn into a, a Doctor Zeus poem or something for a second there. <laughs> in my on my phone all alone in the zone uh with a scone on a plane um, on a train in the rain uh going insane i i uh really really enjoyed this movie uh i i i Cannot actually recommend this movie enough to people who like uh, crime dramas, who like heist movies, uh, and and to Michael's point, um, people who like uh, really solid character dramas about people trying to break out of their patterns um, and, and and keep getting pulled back in. This movie is this is an excellent movie. Uh, and I'll just say, you know, I've, I've seen this a number of times. It's a movie I wind up kind of going back to. And, you know, if you're someone who, um, you know, if you saw Saving Private Ryan on TV, even though you know all the in-between bits, you're like, I'm going to watch the opening battle or I'm going to watch the ending battle or same with Heat. You know, there's just certain scenes that even if you've seen this a number of times, uh, you know, kind of the, the gist. There's just something that's right about the pacing here. Uh, where it's kind of this constant roller coaster ride where you never feel like it slows down. And then it's just accentuated by these excellent, you know, robbery scenes that just kind of like are, are really like high paced, great action. So if it was on TV, not that anybody really watches TV anymore, but this would have been one of those things where you'd be like, Ooh, this is on. Okay. Yeah. I'll hang out for 20 minutes while I watch the scene. And like, I think that keeps up even long after you know what the story is and who the characters are. Like there's just that, that, um, you know, sense of energy or whatever in some of those action sequences that are worth, worth carrying on. Okay, cool. So it sounds like we've got all three of us saying that this is a movie that we shouldn't have missed. Uh, so, you know, if this is something you're looking for, uh, on a movie night, don't hesitate worth a watch, especially if you're a crime drama heist movie, people, character development, <laughs> kind of people go watch it. Uh, he, Time for a quick break. On the other side of the break, we're really going to get into it. All right, welcome back. So, spoilers ahead. Uh, we're really going to be digging into the town here. If you haven't seen it yet and you want to go check it out before you listen to the three of us, you know, ramble on about it, stop here, come back and listen to us. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you don't mind listening to people talk about a movie that you haven't seen, eh, that's fine. Hang out with us. Hear, hear more. Um, so what is this movie about? Uh, the town follows a bunch of uh, bank robbers in Boston. 
uh, Ben Affleck's character, Doug, is the the brains behind the operation, but he's conflicted between leaving this life of crime behind or kind of staying with what he knows and his entire history and all of his friends who were in that life. And as the movie kind of plays out, he's he's got this conflict between everything he's knows and done uh, and you know, turning over new leaf and leaving, leaving crime behind. And as the FBI closes in, people start turning against him and he's got to make these choices about, you know, does he turn over a new leaf or does he protect the people uh, who are in his life? So let's get into it. Like when we go back and look about what was successful, what was awesome about this movie, what was it that still worked? I thought, a lot of this movie still worked. And I, I have to say right off the get go, I thought that the setup of the uh, opposing quotes that come up at the very beginning of, of uh, the feds versus people from the community was a really solid way of setting everything up before, uh, before we, 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 got into it. It was just like, okay, I, I get where this movie's point of view is. I yeah. get where it's coming from. I'm totally in that headspace. Uh, l- let's, let's get there. Yeah. And, I, and we were there and tie, tying in the whole, you know, like there's a part of the town that has, you know, all these bank robbers and it's passed on from father to the son definitely ties in with that theme of like, can you escape your past? Now it exactly. is funny when you look it up, uh, because you know, they're like 300 robberies a year, you know, in Boston, but then you actually see the stats and like the state police are like, uh, there was 52 bank robberies in all of Massachusetts in the first half of the year. So, I mean, <laughs> it may be, uh, you know, a little blown out of proportion for the sake of kind of making this case but like i it, you're right it definitely sets the tone for the movie of like you know it's like a generational thing you know some of us are uh candle makers some of us make uh shoes and some of us rob banks you know but also they the the way that they set it up like you said about the the two sides they actually go out of their way to show that they're really competent people they're smart at planning mm-hmm. the the heists uh the feds are really good in their uh sleuthing work their investigations are like they really show them being smart people going after it so it's it's really cool that they show both sides like that and i also think like right from the very start uh the fact that they don't spoon feed the story at all like they don't kind of say long exposition here's what's going on they essentially just drop you right into it and then little by little they'll they'll give you the the clues as you go like that, that's a great part about the movie. Yeah, I, I thought the the pacing in that opening robbery scene was was fantastic and actually really shocking. Uh, I thought that that uh, the way that it that it the the edits really start jumping, the pacing really picks up uh, is incredibly jarring. I, I thought it was really effective. It's funny, actually, you mentioned that about the, the editing because the that thing I noticed in the beginning, there's a complex set of scenes where they keep switching perspectives, yet the panning is consistent. Like It's really, really well done, supported by music that's just like there to support uh, a mood. Um, and so technically, I think it is just really, really uh, well done, the entire thing. Yeah, I, I I totally agree, and I think I think the the way that the action sequences are both edited and directed is a real credit to to both you know Ben Affleck and and the editing done in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, just because you understand everything that's going on, and even if you don't fully 
you know, artfully, you're like, okay, they're leaving and they're covering their tracks. Okay. You know, you kind of understand everything that's going on, even if there's, you know, a shootout going on and there's everybody's scrambling, but you're like, they're smart. They're destroying, you know, the evidence left behind. And I'll also say the editing and the way it plays out is you basically wind up with one of these, um, you know, set piece action sequences, uh, as kind of the opening mark of each of the acts of the movie. Right. And so you, you go on this roller coaster ride and you kind of like have that adrenaline rush just enough time to come down have that you know plot and character development that then leads you into you know the next big hill the next robbery sequence in the movie and it you know every 30 40 minutes you know there's another one coming because you always feel that tension starting to build back up towards it before you kind of get back on the ride and i think that that editing and, and that kind of pacing is uh really critical to it um i also think one of the things that um it helps do is um, like Michael was saying is like not spoon feeding you who is who you hear about some of these characters who, you know, like uh, Doug's dad or, um, you know, some of these other people. And like, there's a lot of threads that are left kind of like hanging out there throughout the movie. And that they gradually kind of like bring it into you as you go on, like what's going on with his mom, what's going on with his dad, who are these characters who were just kind of introduced. And then, you know, the pacing keeps up. You're like, okay, I guess maybe I'll find out later. Um, yeah. But, and I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, I was just going to say, and I think that, I think one of the questions then is, I think one of the real heavyweights of this movie too, is some of the actors in this movie who are some of those, you know, threads that we connect into. Wow. Uh, amazing. Amazing. From, from a uh, uh, Canadian Victor Garber as the bank manager uh, in that first scene who gets uh, smoked in the face with a rifle, Chris Cooper as uh, Doug's dad, yep. um, Pete Postlethwaite, um, incredible as the florist. Fergie the florist to, is, yeah, intimidating. To me, to me the, the, the MVP of, of this movie. I mean, Renner is great, uh, deserves uh, the, the Best Supporting Actor nomination, but uh, wow, uh, the florist, incredible. So great. And I'll just say, I mean, I think um, Chris Cooper and Pete Postlethwaite are both like, they are the perfect people for those characters. You know, uh, Chris Cooper as the dad who, you know, is like, well, you know, it's our history. It's what we do. I'm in the, I'm in prison. You know, he's like that perfect, like, eh, what are you going to do? This is life. This is the way it goes. Um, but I'll just say like Jeremy Renner is about as good as you could hope for, for, you know, the hot headed gem. Like he is just perfect. And like the way he plays it is perfect because I think one of the, my favorite uh, bits in there is after they go, you know, beat the heck out of uh, those guys who are intimidating Claire uh, played by Rebecca Hall, uh, who's also great in this movie. Um, they're, they're driving back in the car and, and Doug's all pissed off. He's like Ben, Ben Affleck's character is all pissed off. He's like, Hey, you know, you can't be out here just killing guys. And Jeremy Renner's answer is just like, well, you brought me. Yeah, so absolutely. I think the the acting is definitely like throughout the whole movie a definite strength. Yeah, like I, I was really impressed with everything to do with the the production design from practical effects to the to how they actually did the clothes and the sets. It was so believable. The practical effects with the driving, the crashes, mm -hmm. uh, the gunshots, like I think this is why it's aged so well. You could probably watch this 10 years from now and still think that it's a uh, 
like you, you could pick it up. Nothing's going to seem weird about it. Uh, and also the, the the John Hamm's really poorly fit sagging FBI clothes <laughs> and all the interior from the bad wallpaper to furniture. It was just like I, I thought that was almost like a character uh, on its own. Yeah. So Boston is a character on its own. Charleston is a character on its own. Oh, there it is. I thought we were going to make the whole episode without doing the accent, but we didn't make there, it the whole you. way you're, through. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's uh, a lot of strengths to this movie. I mean, that's why we all said this is something that's worth going back to watch. But I, I think one of the things that is a, a strength about this movie, you know, we called out the editing, the pacing, you know, I, I think this also works a little bit against it, right? Like they, they managed to get it down to t- two very tight hours that definitely carries you through that movie start to finish. I think there's maybe some downsides there though, too, to keeping the movie, you know, down in runtime, which probably makes a lot of sense commercially or whatever, but maybe holds the movie back. What do you guys think about that? I, I think like, Chris Cooper is a criminally underdeveloped character. Like his, they could have done so much more with with him to really explain some of the decisions that he had to make. The hint at it, you go through it very quickly, but essentially to show that, you know, maybe Ben Affleck would have done the same thing. I also think that the uh, they could have gone a lot more into. Uh, really talking about the the female characters, all two of them, because you know they are also crazy underrepresented here. That's to 100%. say, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Uh, the the choices that he is so upset about uh, what his mom went through, he, he they don't have enough time, or they don't go through explaining that he's essentially doing the exact same thing to to Blake Lively. It's like, oh, I want to change my life, but you know you can't come with me. Uh, there's a lot longer, more more things that they could have uh, gone into there, I think, uh, maybe because of the, the writing, but maybe because of just keeping it short. No, I think that you're absolutely right, Michael. And, and that was one of my, you know, one of my big complaints was that it, it did feel that the female characters and particularly Blake Lively's character, uh, Krista, who is Jeremy Renner's sister. There's that question of whether or not the kid that she has is Ben Affleck's kid or not. And they had hooked up in the past and, you know, she still holds a flame for him. But it just that's where that's where the movie fell down just a little bit for me. There was also, unfortunately, like zero chemistry between Blake Lively and Ben Affleck. Yeah. Which is really too bad uh, because she does a really good job. Yeah, she uh, really I, I, leans into the townie she, in this. Oh boy, does she ever? Yeah, does she ever? And I would have, I would have really liked to have seen the four-hour version or, or you know, the mini-series of the town, and and really dug deeper into that because she's such a pivotal character in terms of ruining everything uh, for these guys uh, and the heist going wrong because of her tip uh, to the FBI. I, it just, it just didn't quite feel like, like we had spent enough time uh, with her. I'll say, I think I have that problem too, a little bit with the relationship between Doug and Claire. And I don't know if it's a byproduct of, um, like because of the editing, I couldn't really tell how long had passed. Like, I don't know mm. if it was a week or a month or like, you know, what amount of time this movie plays out over just because, you know, it's these constant quick 
scenes and because it kind of bounces quickly back and forth between like um this conflict that doug has about like leaving his past behind but uh you know a hopeful future and then getting ready for the next heist it ping pongs so quickly that you're like i don't know is it june is it july what when is it now and uh one of the things i find hard to kind of like fully get into is how quickly that relationship between doug and claire kind of like develops and i don't think she gets a full chance to develop her character either one of the things i'll also say too is because of that that pacing um there's a lot of revelations that happen later in the movie right where it's like oh okay doug grew up with jem's family oh okay well i find that three quarters of the way through and you know Mm. jem killed the guy to protect doug and it's like doug didn't know that already uh you know we have some revelations about uh the the florist actually being the one who got doug's mom hooked on heroin or whatever and and you know strung out because his dad wouldn't do a job and there's something for me about that where the pacing kind of kept me going but doug is such a like thoughtful thorough pre-planned you know kind of knows all the ins and outs what the gun the guy's carrying is where the how he wears his boots and whatever and but like he doesn't know that these people did these things so there's a little bit of inconsistency there for me which i think is you know in telling this story quickly easy to overlook because it moves by so quickly and it's like they're those revelations help move the plot forward and force doug into the next action but like for me feels a little bit like you know, unrealistic to who Doug is, this like thoughtful, all knowing or like so thoroughly prepared person. Right. Yeah. I think that, that it's very rare to say that, God, I wish a movie was longer. And this is one of the few times I'll, I'll actually say that is I, I, I agree. I, I wanted more so that precisely that the, the revelations weren't the thing driving it that it really felt a little bit more organic. Yeah. You really get on and go. I think, I think the big difference between this and the heat, uh, or not the heat, that's a basketball team. The heat starring Uh, (laughs) Sandra Bullock. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) heat is, um, like those characters get lived in and you really get a sense of like those characters. So when you're comparing, you know, these, these movies on the, like, uh, you know, how high up the mountain of, of crime or heist movies they get. I mean, I think, Heat is one of those ones that stands at the pinnacle, not just because it's got those awesome action sequences or whatever, but because like you understand who these characters are, why they're doing these things. Where in this one, you know, there's a few more times you're like, I don't know, but you know, I'm going along for the ride and it's a fun ride. So uh, I think now is a good time for another quick break. And on the other side, let's have a quick chat about our favorite bits of this movie. Okay, so we're back. And Michael, first to you, you got two things to pick here. Favorite scene and favorite performance. Okay, so like for me, easily the, the first scene, the original heist, I think is just so incredibly uh, well choreographed. Like it's tempting to say the final Fenwick Park one, but the first one just sets up the, the movie so well. And like we mentioned before, it introduces so many things early without a lot of needless exposition. And it's just brilliant. For best performance, I'm going to go a little bit with you guys, but a little bit different. I actually think that Jeremy Renner is the the, the best. It's just so believable for what the character is. Uh, and I would say that John Hamm is the close second because he sticks to his thing so well. He really believes in what he does. 
great work. The confrontation with Ben Affleck's character is really, really well acted. But like I think Jeremy Renner still has the most believable character. He's got his code. Whether you like it or not, it's still a code. So that, I think, is just he, he really is critical to this. Evan, how about yourself? Best, best scene, best performance. Uh, I'm going to say the uh, it's actually a, a quick set of scenes in the middle of the prep for the nun heist, I think is fantastic. I I love a good prep for a heist, especially scene. if there's nuns, especially if there's nuns. And uh, that was a great uh, setup for a nun heist. I mean, I, what can I say? Close second. Um, you know, Ben, Jeremy and uh, Rebecca at the cafe or uh, with the Doug, lunch, Jem the and, lunch and scene where they run into each other. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. Great. Yeah. A really, really good character piece. Um, best performance. I mean, uh, gosh, the florist, uh, Pete Postlewaite. Uh, I, I am a stan for him. Uh, he's just he is just great. May he rest in peace. Um, I found John Hamm maybe chewing the scenery just a little bit too hard. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, in this uh, in this movie, there's a lot of um, I'm an FBI guy. Do you have any questions? No, good. Let's go. And it's like, yeah, Whoa, okay, yeah. There, it was just a little, just a a, a little chewy. Um, but. Uh, Boy, oh boy, do love that uh, Irish accent and uh, the maliciousness of a florist. Yeah, I, absolutely delightful. I, I think I'm I'm right there with with both of you that, you know, for me, I think the Fenway scene has that, you know, the great shootout, and whatever. But like for me, it's, you know, it's a bit of a toss up between the first or second heist. Right. But I love just that impact that jumping into this movie has where it's like, all right, the town and there's robberies and, oh, okay, this is, you know, he's telling you about the, and then it's suddenly like, and he's about to get robbed and you're like, oh, we're into it. So I just felt like the impact of that first scene and like, it just sets the tone for the movie Mm -hmm. so perfectly in that first robbery. For me, this is interesting. We've got three different performances. Uh, I'd say Chris Cooper, Um, just as, you know, Doug's dad as Ben Affleck's dad in this movie. Um, there's just something about this buildup to medium where you hear about him as this, like, you know, like superstar that all these robbers are talking about and how he, you know, he took the, he, he took the time rather than ratting anybody out and the way he carried out this job while they saw him and like, he's kind of built up and also built up from this, like, what's really going on with Doug and his dad and whatever. And so like, I think when, when the Chris Cooper sits down for that visitation, like he just, like nails that sense of this guy mm. who's keeping all these secrets for good reasons. Right. And like, you know, like Michael said, like if only there was more time for him to be developed and like, cause he just like, you know, one pitch knocks it out of the park, which was awesome. Um, what about for you guys after watching this movie, are there things you're still, you know, thinking about or questions that you're wondering? So for me, Honestly, could, could we just agree that these guys are like really bad people? They, <laughs> we spend a lot of time building up yeah. how they want to change these things. But the way that they, their whole uh, MO is to terrorize people and to scare them. And this is like traumatizing stuff. So, you know, you just think about like, it might look like a small thing, but it really isn't like right from the way that they treat the people in the bank to the kids who sees them and the way that they threaten the people inside the cash room. 
oh, it's like, it's pretty brutal. So that's one of those things that they treat it like, oh, yeah, but, you know, these are not good people. I, I think one of the questions I've got, too, is just like, where were the helicopters? I mean, there's like gun battles going through all of downtown Boston. And it's like, yeah. I am. You know what? They worded the budget. Yeah, exactly. That's, the, uh, <laughs> that, that, that's where the helicopters were. Yeah. The helicopters didn't make the cut. Uh, I mean, the thing that uh, two things, maybe three sort of uh, stuck with me. Uh, one, the word authenticious, uh, delightful. Uh, one of my one of my favorite delivered lines <laughs> in the whole movie. Uh, just trying to keep things authenticious. Um, the the melancholy of the film really stuck with me. And uh, you know, at one point, I jotted down a note, and I was like, "Oh man, was everything circa like 2010 shot with that like blue filter?" You know, and this is a movie where it kind of works. Um, you know, in, in giving that kind of steeliness to it. It's not a warm movie. It's not about nice people. Um, but the, just the, the whole, especially with that ending, um, and Chris, you said that there was an alternate ending. I'm, I'm very curious to know what that alternate ending is because the, the melancholy of the ending really uh, stuck with me. Yeah, so um, there's there's two alternate versions. One has extra stuff, but fundamentally the same ending. There's just a little bit more content there about Doug escaping, whatever. But the um, so that's the extended version. The alternate version is both extended, but at the end, instead of Doug getting away and going off to Florida and leaving his proceeds behind because you can't really turn over a new leaf if you take the, the you know crime money with you. At the end, what actually happens is the florist uh, has hired the guys who um, Doug and Jem went and beat up because they were harassing Claire. And, you know, Jem shoots the guy in the knees or whatever. The florist hires them in case there's a double cross. And so as Doug's going to escape, he's actually, you know, walk into a location of his car or whatever, runs into those guys and basically, you know, they back and forth and then Doug gets killed. So Doug dies in the alternate ending. And so I think one of the questions that, you know, I think you nailed it, Evan, like there's a, a melancholy sense about the way the movie looks. Also, this is a movie about like, can you escape your past. That's what Doug is trying to do for like three quarters of this movie. You know, there's that whole thing in the beginning about like, you know, uh, uh, this was my, my, my Eskimo or whatever, who helped me escape the cold and whatever. And, you know, Doug's looking for that person. Is that Claire? Can he escape his past? Do you think ultimately this is a movie that believes you can escape your past? I think this is fundamentally a movie that doesn't think you can escape your past, that you are who you are. That's that's I think that in my in my worst Boston accent. Uh, so I, that, I, I think that's the thesis of this movie. I, I disagree. I think that I think this movie is saying there's a lot of people that walk around and they they believe that they can never change. Right? Like there's that thing that they say people get up every day, tell themselves they're going to change their lives, uh, but they never do. But why don't you do it with me? It's kind of like I think it is a movie about yourself impose these things so that whole thing the conflict about being born into expectations and circumstances versus breaking out of that like jeremy renner says um, but you grew up here like same rules as i did the idea that you know we're all like so i, I think it actually is a movie that says uh yeah that that's what people think 
but there's this idea that you can break out. But in in this case, in order to break out, it basically takes everyone you know and love either being in jail or killed <laughs> for and you to do what that. I, and what I love is like at the end of the day, they don't end up together at the end of the movie. Like I think that is brilliant. If they had changed that, it, it just would have gone. It would have ruined everything. Well, I wonder. So to your point, Michael, I wonder if. The, so, you know, the, the moral of the story, if you rob banks, kids can play hockey, uh, that, uh, I, I wonder if that sort of very much supports your point then in that, uh, he's somehow, well, he kind of can never escape himself. Maybe. I mean, who knows what he's going to end up doing in Florida till the end of his days, but he has ultimately somehow in giving this money to Claire, given these kids a chance maybe to get out, to to do something. Get that those chances he never banks. did. Yeah. Well, but although you know, he did go pro and then just, you know, yeah. Or he failed. Whiffed on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, so, I think, I think it's instructive to say, uh, that, yeah, you probably can if you just leave everything behind. And that's probably, to Michael's point, you know, a little bit of a high bar to clear for, for most of us, right? Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of endings, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. All right. Well, um, that was the town. And if you found that helpful, uh, then do us a favor. Uh, go rate, subscribe, review, do whatever clicky thing you can do on whatever platform you're listening on. It helps us out. And we're going to be back next week with another episode. We'll see you then. 